Welcome back to The Wise Man's Page, the daily podcast where we read Patrick Rothfuss's The Wise Man's Fear, page by page. This is page 595. Caught her, and he keeps her still, but whether or not he is happy is only for him to know. There was a long moment of silence. That, Dayton said, is one hell of a story. Hespy looked down, and though the firelight made it difficult to tell, I would have bet a penny she was blushing. Hard Hespy, who I wouldn't have guessed had a drop of blushing in her. It took me a long time to remember all of it, she said. My mother used to tell it to me when I was a little girl. Every night, always the same. Said she learned it from her mother. Well, you'll need to make sure you tell your daughters too, Dayton said. A story like that is too good to let fall by the roadside. Hespy smiled. Unfortunately, that peaceful evening was like the lull that comes in the center of a storm. The next day, Hespy made a comment that set Dayton off in a huff, and for two hours they could barely look at each other without hissing like angry cats. Dayton tried to convince everyone we should give up our search and instead sign up as caravan guards, hoping the bandits would attack us. Martin said that made as much sense as trying to find a bear trap by putting your foot in it. Martin was right but that didn't keep Dayton and the tracker from snapping at each other over the next couple of days. Two days later, Hespy gave a surprisingly girlish shriek of alarm while bathing. We ran to her assistance, expecting bandits, and instead found Tempe naked, knee-deep in the stream. Hespy stood half-dressed and dripping wet on the shore. Martin thought it was hilarious. Hespy did not and the only thing that kept Dayton from flying into a rage and attacking Tempe was the fact that he couldn't figure out how to attack a naked man without looking in his direction or actually touching him. (laughs) The day after that, the weather grew foggy and damp, souring everyone's mood and slowing our search even further. Then, it began to rain. That's the page and the chapter. I'm Jeremy. I'm Jordana. I'm Nick. That's very, like... That's so silly that Dayton would be like, oh, I want to be mad at this guy, but can't figure it out because he won't look at him. <laughs> well, Dayton, if only, they'd invented, <laughs> if only they'd invented no idiot. homo, he'd be in the clear, but they haven't gotten that far yet. They haven't progressed that far as a society. Okay, but like, a I mean, shame. like lots of old societies had shared baths, did they not? Not this one. <laughs> yeah, I guess not this one. I think that's the thing. I think that uh, the Adem do shared baths because uh, Tempe is clearly like, yeah, Hespy was bathing. I'll go and also bathe. I think that's what happened. And yeah, um, yeah, and uh, it did not uh, go so well for him. Although he seems pretty unperturbed. Yeah, I think I'm sure he's just confused as to why everyone's making such a racket. That's not a social convention he understands. Oh, something I wanted to mention. Early on this page, Dayton says to Hespy that she should tell her daughters the story. And I think that's because, I, I think it's twofold. I think it's because her mother taught her and she happens to be a lady. And so Dayton says daughters because she is a daughter. And therefore, I guess there's like that. But rather than saying children, he says daughters. And I think that that's interesting because aren't women also the storytellers and like the information keepers in the Adem. That is the case. At least they, they keep the Lathani, right? It's the women's responsibility to teach the Lathani to, to other people. 
And I think the story of the Chandrian that gets passed down. That's a really mm-hmm. good catch, actually, Jordana, that it's they're the storytellers. Uh, it's the job, women's job in the Adem, in Ademic to be the storytellers. And this is something, because I want to pick at this a little bit, that like it's clearly very important ritual in Hespi's family for the mother to tell the daughter this story every night. Like, that's not just like, oh, here's a fun story I like. I'm going to tell you the story again. It's like every night repeated word for word. That seems really significant. Yes, for sure. If if Hespi had brothers, I'm sure they were also told the story. But I think it's interesting that Dayden says daughters, considering he's not, he doesn't know about the Lathani. Yeah, no, it's nothing to do with the Lathani for them. It's clearly like, even she says, my grandmother... Uh, she learned it from her mother, right? So it's it's definitely mothers for her. Whether or not she had brothers, she doesn't mention it. She doesn't say, my mother told it to my brothers and I. And even if she Maybe did, it was... Adem th- or something. I don't know. I'm crackpotting. I also want to point out that I think Hespi like, works really hard to remember this story. She says, um, it took me a long time to remember all of it. Like I think she works really hard to... like. This is probably the only story she knows and she probably really wanted to tell it. So it was really important to her and she worked really hard to remember it. No wonder she got upset when Dayton was messing it up and how pleased she is and how proud she is. Like it also says that to me that like it's been a long time since she's heard it because she had to work hard to remember it. So it makes me think about what happened to her as a child or a young adult to split her up from her mother uh, that led her to this life of being a mercenary where you haven't heard the story told in a long time. Hespi in this read is far more humanized and interesting to me than she has been on past reads. Mm-hmm. Although I feel like, like just like being an adult would take you away from your parent. So I feel like that's like, I don't care too, too much for the detail of like, how did Hespi end up not, knowing the story for a while or not being with her parent. Cause the answer is she's an adult. That's a good point. And not every woman needs to have a tragic origin story. Yeah. But I mean, there could be a story there. I'd be happy to read it. I just don't need it. How, how interesting would it be if Hespi ends up being really important? Like if, if what, what from this passage and, and I mean, that's something I like to ask myself when I'm, when I'm close reading is, why are these sequences in the book? Why is this scene here? And I think what's obvious is that it's about Quoth's relationship with Tempe because Tempe is his in with the Adam. But what if that's a uh, distraction from Hespi and this story and Hespi coming to know this story? I think that it's interesting, you know, and we'll see. And like, I remember, what am I trying to say here? We've already kind of understood that this story is important to the broader Ur narrative uh, and the idea of like the ongoing creation war, whatever conflict Quoth is accidentally a part of, the Adam and the Chandrian, whatever, this story is part of it. So how come Hespi, this strange person that he's encountered and doesn't think much of, um, how come she has this story? I wonder if that's going to be important later. Maybe. I guess we'll just have to wait and find out. I suppose so. Anything else to say on this page? I am all out of notes. Likewise. Are you sure? There's one thing you Oh, wait, sorry. <laughs> sorry, no, no, sorry. Uh, yes, it is the end of a chapter. And... Wait for it. 
It is the end of a chapter, and this chapter was called Listening. Ostensibly because they are listening to a story. And also because the old man in the story tries to get Jax to learn how to listen the way he listens magically to objects. So the real title of this chapter should be Listening or Lack Thereof. <laughs> well, I mean, let's let's go one deeper. Uh, we know that there is a character who often fails to see the importance of things that are right in front of him. What if this is also referring to Kvothe, who is listening to the story when the solution to his problems is in it, if only he had the ears to listen. Mm. We have a letter today from Kelsey, who writes on a very relevant page, although uh, I'm not totally sure that Kelsey's got the right page number here. The title is page 159 and Sacrifice. Hey there, Rampagers 3. Having just caught up for the first time in a year, I have a sense of finally existing in the same timeline as you three and your loyal listeners again. I'm incredibly grateful for and impressed by your dedication, hard work, and especially the joy and energy you bring to this monumental task. I thought on page 159 where Jax offers his broken house to the tinker in exchange for anything that will make him happy. Uh, A thought on page 159 where Jax offers his broken house to the tinker in exchange for anything that will make him happy. I don't think this is plot important, but more thematic, as you have beautifully distinguished. But I think there are parallels here with Denna and Kvothe's sacrifices for what is important to them, Denna particularly. Jax doesn't hesitate to offer his house, which from the story so far seems to me like he's willing to give up his whole way of life. He would choose happiness from a completely unspecified source over all security and familiarity because he recognizes that he has no happiness. I think this is a very similar attitude to how Denna has turned away from more traditional positions, such as a trade or servitude that she knows would be comfortable and secure, but come at the cost of her freedom to make her own path in life and whatever it is she wants more than anything else. Love your work. Want to attribute you all as triple handedly maturing and deepening my approach to basically all media and excited to finish this journey with you. Love from Australia. Signed, Kelsey. Ooh, Australia. Also, I would argue that it's hexagonally handing because we both have two hands. All right. All right. Move it along. <laughs> How sweet of you to say that we have uh, have deepened your approach to all media. Uh, if that wasn't my secret goal all along, then uh, I don't know what was. Uh, I know that we have a very narrow cast podcast here, but I like to think that it's it's about the act of, of close reading and consuming media in a way. And like, I hope to prompt thought on how and why we, we watch these things or consume these things. And I know we don't have a ton of space to have those conversations. I don't know how you, how interested some of my co-hosts would be in having those conversations, but I'm very gratified to hear Kelsey, that that's something that you've taken away from it. So thank you for that. It's certainly very flattering to have someone say that about what we're up to, because really we're just sitting here talking to each other about a book we all like. <laughs> as far as your note, I really like your the fact that you've pointed out that uh, Jax has a lot of parallels, not just with Kvothe, but with Denna. I think mm. that when we read these kind of stories, these allegories, we put Kvothe in the main character seat because he is a boy and he is the main character of our story, but uh, we could just as easily transplant it with any other character. And as we've decided, uh, this story is the result of a time loop. So what if the Jax figure in the story is actually Denna? What if the moon figure is actually Kvothe? Oh, weird. What if down is up? 
What if cats and dogs lie down together? Well, down I mean, is up in Australia. Sometimes they do, and they make some really cute videos. Sorry, that was beside the point. <laughs> no, those right. are both well, good he, jokes. Here's a point that is that's not beside anything. We were addressed in this letter as the Rampagers Three. So, which of us is the Godzilla? Which of us is the giant werewolf? And which of us is the big monkey? Oh, that's a good question. Wait, isn't Mothra an option here? No, no, no. That's, that's not Mothra. Rampage. Yeah, there's uh, no Mothra yeah, on Rampage. There's no Mothra on Rampage. Okay, I don't know what Rampage is. Yeah. You can just assign uh, I think Jordana is the monkey. Uh, I am the lizard and Jeremy's the wolf. Cool. I can live with that. Oh, okay. I want to be a wolf. Oh, I thought you didn't care. You were like, what? I don't care. Assign me whatever. I, but they fine. were all available at the time. You could have called wolf. But no, you I, had to be the fence <laughs> Well, now you're stuck as the monkey. <laughs> That's right. This is what comes of... Not asserting yourself, Jordana. Well, I don't know anything about it. <laughs> That's never stopped Nick or I from asserting ourselves in any conversation. Um, That's right. Here, here's what we'll do. We will plop you down and you can absorb the cultural touchstone of Rampage. The first time anyone encountered it, of course, being uh, the film with uh, Dwayne The Rock Johnson from several years ago. And then they made a retro style video game inspired by the movie. Listeners, I feel like you're trolling me. Don't believe his lies. Yeah, Jeremy didn't rise to the bait. Yeah. Uh, and uh, But you can believe all of our lies on tomorrow's page. Um. Whatever you do, Georgiana, don't eat a toilet. They make you sick. You lose health when you eat the toilets. That's yeah, true. I mean, that sounds the wind! Cool, so. the wind! The wind! The wind!